And there's, a, there's an illustration I want to read for you today that really helps to hone down, sort of funnel in exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, I want you to listen carefully. It's about it's, it's a jazz pianist. His name is George Shearling. He was blind from birth, and he composed more than 300 pieces of music. He toured constantly throughout his long career all over the world. He would often find himself downtown in a very busy street, navigating crowded sidewalks, with his dark glasses and his cane. On one occasion, he was at a very busy intersection at rush hour, waiting for help to cross the street. Finally, someone tapped him on the shoulder, and what, what Shirling heard next was not an offer for help, but a request. He said, excuse me, sir, a stranger said to him. Would you mind helping a blind man cross the street? Now, keep in mind... Now they're both blind, right? He was about to tell the other man that he was also blind when he thought, you know what, why not? Let's give this a go, he said. <laughs> he sounds like the kind of friend I want to have. He sounds like he's a hoot, that's for sure. He said, let's just give this a go. He said, um, so he said, you know what, why, why not do this? Certainly, my friend, here, take my arm. So the two men sat across the street together, the blind leading the blind, truly. He heard many unnerving sounds as they crossed the street. You can imagine, right? Picture, picture Manhattan at rush hour, right? The, tears were, the, the tires were squealing, the horns were blaring, the angry voices of all the cab drivers. But they made it safely to the far curb. Later, he recalled the incident. He says, you know what? I'll never do it again, but I'm glad I did it once. It was the biggest thrill of my life. The blind leading the blind. Many of us have used that illustration and, and that saying, that, that uh, comment over the years. Now you have some image to put to it, and you can picture that in Manhattan. So our text today is found in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn to that electronically or on paper, or it will be on the screen as well. And our text today introduces us to a, another blind man. And uh, he is about to experience something far greater, far more thrilling than crossing a busy intersection with blinded eyes. So here we have Jesus and his disciples. They, they returned to the little town of Bethsaida, and the last time they were there, Jesus had healed many of their sick. It's, it's important to have context before we read a portion of Scripture. So the disciples were following him from town to town, and the last time they were in this area, Jesus had healed many of the sick. And so we pick up on verse 22 of Mark chapter 8. It says this, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. How many of you know that sometimes you need to have friends or relatives to speak on your behalf? How many of you know sometimes you're that friend or you're that relative that you have to speak on someone else's behalf? Can I challenge you, church? Holy Spirit wants to use you in the big ways and the small ways. There's times that all of us turn down the volume sometimes from Holy Spirit when he's asking us to help someone else, even in the most simple of ways. Can I encourage you? Every time Holy Spirit prompts you to do something for someone else, it may be as simple as sending an encouraging text. How many of you know how cheap that is, how easy that is? And there's been times where I may be having a little rough patch or kind of a down day, and somebody out of the blue, out of the blue, 
right, out of the blue by Holy Spirit, will send me an encouraging word or encouraging scripture of some type. When Holy Spirit prompts us to do those things, we need to follow through. So they brought the blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Verse 23 said this, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, and some versions talk about putting saliva on his eyes, we're not really sure exactly, but in put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Now, when I first read this scripture many years ago, I thought, oh my golly, Jesus spit in this guy's eyes. Now, some of you are thinking, that would be offensive. But you have to realize, back in those days, saliva was known to have or believed to have some healing properties. And even today, what happens when you cut your little finger at the rose bush or you slam your finger in the door? What's the first thing all of us do? You grab that big old dirty finger, you've been working outside, you've been fixing your oil, you've been doing all kinds of baby diaper changing, you kind of walk, and what does, it goes right in there. Do we like the taste? No, but why do we do it? Because we're convinced somehow that saliva is going to make our boo-boo all better. Am I right? I've seen mothers do the same thing. Mothers that their first child, when the little binky drops on the ground, they throw it away. Because that first child, oh, no, 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 you can't have a binky to touch the ground, even if you boil that sucker. Get it? Sucker? Okay. So... So we've all been there. The first baby, oh my golly, throw that thing away. We can't ever use it again. The first baby, you don't wash the clothes, you throw them away because they can't wear clothes twice, right? By the third or fourth or sixth or eighth or tenth child, what, what do they do? You see mom, they drop it in the, you're in the middle of the zoo right by the elephant cage and the elephant stuff and it drops down there. Mom reaches in the cage and pulls it out. She puts it in her mouth because that's saliva. It cures everything. Come on, moms. You know you've done it. Yeah, yeah, you sure have. So saliva back in ancient days, they had a little different view of what that meant. So verse 24, let's get back to the story. You guys get me distracted all the time. It's your fault. Verse 24, here's on the screen. Listen. So, so picture the man. Most likely he was not blind from birth, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So he at one time probably saw but for whatever reason, he went blind. I, I picture that, you know, there was maybe some, some uh, debris in his eye. I don't know what was going on, but here, here Jesus, the most compassionate soul possible, is giving him commentary, is talking to him sweetly. Can you imagine being in the very presence of our Lord? And then he talks to him softly, and then what does he do? He... He just gently touches him and, and guides him away. Picture that in your mind's eye for a moment. How meaningful, how powerful that would be. So he looked up and he said to Jesus, he says, well, I, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So, so we see that this is sort of an incremental, sort of a, a two-stage healing process. He, he sees a little bit of light, he sees a little bit of movement, and that's one of the reasons we, we believe that he probably had sight at one time, because he realized what he could be seeing, and that's, that's what he had to say. So once more, because he wasn't 
completely seeing clearly. In verse 25, he says this. He says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Father, we bow for a moment and we just simply ask God that in his coming minutes, Father, you would help me to convey your heart. You would help me to make sure everything that I say, Father, would be ordained of you. Open hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus had healed many people throughout his earthly ministry. Four of them were recorded in very detail throughout the Gospels, but only Mark records this particular healing of the blind man. It happened not too far away from the feeding of the 5,000. Can you imagine coming off of that experience where just with a few loaves and fishes, thousands of people were taken care of? What a blessing that must have been to observe that and to be a part of that. And before dealing with the man's blindness, he separated the afflicted man from the crowd. He, he had the blind man step away from the town. Now, if he wanted just privacy, he could have gone into a little area of a house. If he wanted to be alone with this man, he could have found some corner, but he purposely chose to lead this man outside of the town. All kinds of, of thoughts as, as to why that might have happened. One of the most frequent thoughts is this. You know, Jesus had performed many miracles in that area. Many people had seen, but still were not convinced of the almighty power of Jesus Christ. They still were not convinced. And I think Jesus said, you know what? I don't even want to deal with this drama. I'm just going to go away. I'm going to pull him aside. And we're going to go ahead and see what, what we can do with this man's blindness. He didn't want any of that unbelief around him. He didn't want any of those obstacles. And I can imagine how it would have been the case. He, he, he held his hand very firmly. And can you, and can you picture what this looks like? This is what Jesus does with us when we're lost. If we allow him to, when we allow him to, as his hand reaches down and, and we reach up toward his, as we allow him to, he will guide us into safe journey. He will guide you away from harm. He will guide you away from confusion. We have to be at a place where we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to take us to that place of healing in all of our lives. It's so very, very important, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the tragedy, every blessing that the Lord has for us is in our hand as we grab his and he brings ourselves to us. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verses 5, excuse me, verses 1 through 5. Look at the screen, if you would. It says this. So, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. Look at that. When you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Do you get that? By nature, we are deserving of his wrath because of our disobedience. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. God who is what? One more time. God who is what? Rich in mercy. He sees you 
when he sees me completely different than you see you when I see me. He sees a, a, a gold that he wants to pull out, his mercy, his grace, his love in operation when we cooperate, hold his hand, and allow him to lead us and guide us into this new life called living for him. We have to cooperate and partner with him. So he's rich in mercy, and verse 5 says this, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Let me add something to that. It's not by works. You can't act more gooder and get more saved. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Some of you teachers are going nuts right now. You can't be more gooder and be more saved. But some of you don't hear that. Folks, you waste a lot of energy. Say the word energy. I don't know. Now that I'm approaching 40... I just want to see if you're listening. I'll be 53 in a couple of months. I'm proud of that. I've earned every one of those hours, every one of those months, every one of these gray hairs, every one of these fat cells. I've earned every bit of it. I'm not 21 anymore. I'm not going to act like I am. That's a whole other sermon. But I look back over my life, and there's been a few seasons well, I've wasted a lot of energy that I didn't have to waste. And the older I get, Rich, you just wait. Wait, wait till you get to be a little bit older. You're going to find out, brother. <laughs> the older I get, I want to conserve every bit of energy that I can and use it for good. Some of you waste, say waste, waste, waste a lot of energy trying to be more gooder so you can be more saved. Some of you that are taking notes on your iPhone, your iPhone won't like that right now. <laughs> Don't waste your energy. His grace is how we are saved. While we are dead in transgressions, it is by grace that we have been saved. Woo! That is good preaching. Mm. I don't hear any amens. That's the nitro I told you. Give me some, give me some nitro. We'll get this rolling, okay? So we're talking this morning about what do you see and what aspect of, of this miracle makes it unique. And one of the aspects that makes it unique, it's kind of done in stages. Many of, most of the, 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 uh, the miracles that we see in Scripture, boom, it's done. Somebody is healed, boom, God is complete. Jesus knows what he's doing, takes care of business and moves on. In this case, it's a little bit different. It's kind of a two-stager, a two-stager. So he somehow gets saliva. On his hand, or maybe he did spit, wasn't there, CNN wasn't there, I don't know. But he did something to get saliva there, and we know that the first stage of the healing was that he could see a few things. He could, he could begin to see light. You know, there are some spiritual implications here, kids, let me tell you. Some of you come to a first stage with God and you begin to see light, but then you allow doubt to come in. You allow discouragement to come in, and you're not convinced that you're going to go all the way in this process with the Lord, and you allow yourself to be stuck at stage one. Can you imagine if this blind man stayed where he was at. What would we have? What kind of story would we have? Oh, uh, I see some trees. It might be moving. I don't know if they're men. I'm not really sure what they are. And goes through the rest of his life not seeing clearly. 
So yesterday morning, I had the bright idea of posting on Facebook. Some of you may have seen it. I'm not on Facebook a whole lot anymore, but I was yesterday, and I decided to paste this question in one sentence or less. Tell me how you came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, here's what I learned. People on Facebook are not very obedient. <laughs> and I don't want to make a general, like, cover thing here, but it seemed like the ladies just had a run-on sentence that went from here all the way over to here, and here's how they got away with it. They just didn't use a period until the very end. That's called a run-on. So, so here was the encouraging thing. And some of us that are face, Facebook friends, I, if you haven't seen it yet, I don't want you to go on my page. You're going to hear amazing stories of how God reached into the the pit of people's lives in the worst season of their lives and allowed them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, allowed that grace to come in. It wasn't a one-step healing. It was, bam, they can see clearly. Church, when I read over those, those testimonies, when I, when I was able to see how God brought people to Jesus. Over 160, 170 posts within several hours I was able to observe and, and, and celebrate with people as to how they came to Christ. Every story under the book, some so tragic I could not repeat publicly. Some people said, well, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad, they were Pentecostal and they were tongue, tongue speakers and I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at age five and I'm like shouting hallelujah for them and that's a wonderful testimony. Others, however, in the deepest tragedy of their lives, they were hungry for an answer. They were starving for some spiritual food, food they didn't even know they needed, but they just knew what they were doing was not working. That's right. See, this man, he had some friends. He had some friends that loved him enough, okay? Here's... Here's what they did. They knew his faith was weak, so they joined their faith together and said, listen, let's come, take him to Jesus. And his faith was not real strong in that time. See, here's the deal. Here's what I believe. When Jesus allowed this to be a two-phase healing, Jesus was responding to the level of faith Amen. that that man had at that moment. Yes, sir. I want you to get this. All of us are at different stages of our spiritual development. And the best illustration I can think of, walk into any middle school in America. You have the seventh grade class stand up. You got some boys that are six foot two and full beards. <laughs> Not too many in seventh grade, but every now and then. Hey, I had a classmate when I was in seventh grade. He had a beard thicker. Where's all the bearded guys? Where's all the bearded guys? Where's all the bearded women? Would you please stand? <laughs> stand up, Ted. There you go. Okay, this is Ted Pippin. Ted's an anointed man of God. Doesn't he have an incredible beard? He's not even Amish. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so there's some seventh graders out there that have kind of like Amish light kind of beards, okay? Thank you, Ted. Listen, that's enough attention on you. Sit down, dude. Come on, sit down. <laughs> 
If you go into any seventh grade class, you're going to see a wide variety of sizes, shapes, and maturity level. Some have a little peach fuzz, and so do some of the boys. <laughs> Pastor Rita, one more time. I So you understand a middle school student in a class, you know, when you're a seventh grader and you're, you know, still shorter than most of your peers, you're wondering, am I ever going to get there? Some of you do that spiritually. You compare way too much. See, all of us are on a different journey, just like a seventh grade boy or a seventh grade girl. We've all seen in seventh grade, the boys are about this tall and the girls are about this tall. And you know what happens between the, the summer of 7th and 8th grade? What happens? The girls sort of stay here maybe just a half an inch, but the boys go... <laughs> but you tell that to a 13-year-old, and he's pretty discouraged. Church, listen. We are all at different levels of maturity. Don't judge the amount of gray hair. Don't judge the number of Sundays you spend in church, we are all at different levels of spiritual maturity. In this case, this man's faith wasn't quite there. Jesus certainly knew that. Jesus said, you know what? We're going to do this in a couple of stages so he can handle it. Build up his faith a little bit, touch him again, and what happened? He can see clearly. Listen, church, we need to get to the place where we allow God to do what he wants to do in his own timing. Don't put him in a box because that's what your seventh grade school year was like. That's good preaching. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says this. Look at the screen. It says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, we can be blind as well. We've all been in a vehicle that has dirty windows, yeah? And you think, man, it's cloudy today. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. See, the more time we spend with him in his word and in prayer and with others, it develops our spiritual sight. See, your level of faith grows. Jesus, when he was holding the hand, come here, Josh, you need a little face time. Come here, buddy, I know. Get over here. So we're going to walk together. Turn around this way. Okay, turn around this way. That's fine. So here's Jesus walking with the blind man, right? He knew his level of faith was that only he could get to this place. He, much like a mother or a dad of a toddler adjusts their speed or their, their, their gait, you adjust your gait to match that of the child. So what happens when the child gets a little bit older? And that boy is suddenly four or five years old. Mom and dad can't keep up, right? So what happens? So, so this, this man is, is still, you know, walking with the Lord and that level of faith. He could begin to see some trees moving. Wasn't sure if it was men. A little bit confused. But all of a sudden, Jesus kicked into nitro and went ahead and did it again. And he was able to see completely clearly. And that man was able to run and run and run. No longer needed to have Jesus paced himself with the gate of where he was at in his spirit and in his level of faith. 
Listen, I had a 1981 Honda Accord. Anybody have one of those? It was a stick. It was a stick, and it was fun. It was fun. Now, I can, I remember, you know, pressing the clutch, and you can, you know, rev your engine a little bit, feel really tough. When you're on an 81 Accord, baby, you are just smoking hot, you know? That thing was about the size, it was about this big back then. They were small. They were smaller than the Civics are today. And what I would do sometimes just to feel really tough, I would, you know, put my, my clutch in and go, vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> then I would turn on the engine. No, I'm teasing. Listen, I can go vroom, 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 or I can even have the engine on and go vroom, 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 but until I put it in the gear, I'm not going anywhere. Some of you sit around and you go vroom, 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 and you do not put your faith into gear. Listen, church, we need you. The church needs you. Church with a big C, the church, the universal church. We need you to kick in the gear. Some of you sit and rev your engine, but you don't put it in the gear. We need you to move and exercise your faith by serving the Lord and the gift things that he's given to you. Oh, that's some good preaching right there. Woo! So we had Christ that accommodated the pace of his power to the slowness of the man's faith. I want you to hear that. He accommodated the, the pace of his power and the intensity of his power matching the level of the man's faith. Some of you wonder why this all-knowing, omnipotent God who's all-powerful isn't operating more in your life Church, can I challenge you? It might be because the Lord is holding back some until your level of faith matches the intensity of the engine that's revving up for you. He is waiting. He is waiting to put that into gear and take off with you. Some of you spend so much time comparing yourself to others. Well, I don't know why God doesn't use me that way. I want that to sink in. Could it be that our Lord, who loves you deeply, see, the Lord loves you as much as he loves that other person you're looking at, but maybe you need to learn how to put it into gear so that his level of power will then align with your level of faith and obedience. Father, we pause for a moment, and as we do, church, um, those of you that are helping to uh, take care of our water baptism, and those of you that are candidates for baptism, please make your way to the back if you would. They can do that quietly. Father, we bow in your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for the parables, the teaching moments, the opportunities that we see in your word, God, where we can learn amazing biblical truth. Lord, these stories, they're more than just stories. They're, they're power-packed truths that you want us to, to glean from, you want us to learn from. And Father, I would just ask that in Jesus' name, anyone under the sound of my voice right now, Father, they would challenge themselves. They would ask themselves, is their level of desire, their level of faith, their level of commitment, their level of obedience, Lord, is it 
at the level you want them to be. Lord, you've got so much for all of us. Lord, you've got so much more. There's so much gold you see in each of us, God, that you want to pour blessings. You want to pour potential. You want to pull out, God, all the stuff that keeps us and hinders us. Father, help us to be obedient in that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, we're going to transition here. And any of you that have been involved with any water baptism service in any church, realize the significance of this. This is an outward manifestation of what has occurred in a person's heart. This is an outward declaration. This is a, something doing in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saying, you know what, I am declaring myself to be a follower the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to hear some amazing testimonies today. You're going to hear some, some amazing stories of how God has brought them out of the miry junk and mud and all that ugh, stuff and made them amazing, willing vessels. So let's celebrate. that We just have a, a handful or a few today, and uh, we won't be much longer, but church, this is an amazing time for all of us to celebrate what the Lord has done in some individuals' lives. So, Pastor Jim... Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Good morning, everybody. You know, we have three very excited, and I can tell you a little nervous people, but uh, thrilled today that uh, you, you, may have, you may have come today and thought the most important thing for you today is, uh, you know, you wanted to come and worship the Lord, and then you're concerned about what lunch is going to be. I can tell you these folks aren't thinking much about that. They thought all day about the fact that they're going to get baptized in water today, and so we are so blessed to have these three uh, with us, and first today is going to be Nika Rivera, and Nika's coming, and she's got a, uh, a group with her to support her today, a couple pastors and pastor's wives, and I, I, I don't know if the family is coming too, or is it, uh, they're out there? Okay. Where's Trey's, uh, Trey's right. out there somewhere? Hey, bud, where's Trey at? Is Trey not in the room? Oh, he's a rebellious son, isn't he? Hi, hubby. That's Joe, right? Hi, sister. Good to meet you. Hi. Glad you're here. Hi, Nika. I'm sorry, Pastor Jim. I just That's okay. got all well, friendly fine. for a moment. That's fine. That's all right. Uh, you know, this morning, uh, as Nika comes, she says, I made the decision to be water baptized on April 23rd, 2017, after witnessing several people be baptized and hearing the Lord speak very clearly to me, you're next. She said, I've recommitted my life to Christ, and I'm ready to follow God wholeheartedly and be obedient. I am no longer deceived in my thinking regarding the nature and meaning of water baptism. I know the truth, and here I am today ready to take this next step. This is Nika. Nika, we are so proud of you. Patty's here and Pastor Rita's here because they, they have a relationship with you, and they wanted to be close. And we're so proud of you for a lot of reasons. Number one, you're being obedient to what God's asking you to do. Number two, you've spent over 22 years serving in our armed forces, and she's a retiree of our armed forces. So thank you. I think it was that military training that helped you learn how to obey. And you are obeying the Spirit's voice in this. And we just believe that for your family and friends over here and for your son who, she has, she's got an amazing teenage son who's just well beyond his years and has an anointing on his life. 
and um, I'm sure he'll watch the tape later on, but Trey, you should have been in here, buddy. <laughs> well, I won't tell on that, okay? But, but Nico, we are so proud of you, and we just really believe that through your obedience, uh, you're getting more and more involved here at the church, and you are a victory cheerleader, and uh, we appreciate that so much. You shine the light of Jesus in those eyes of yours, and it's a joy and a privilege to have you part of this house. So let's go ahead and have a seat. There you go. Hold your nose if you would. Ladies, want to go ahead and lay a hand on help me out here? So, Nika, upon con public confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yay, yay! Bless the Lord! Congratulations. Amen. All right. Well, uh, coming right now is John Sandy. And, uh, you know, folks, I just as John is coming, let me just share. You know, if you ever ask the person sitting next to you on a Sunday morning, tell me your story. It's amazing how God has rescued all of us. And here's, here's a man that I believe the Lord has rescued in his life. And John says, in my mid-20s, I met Jesus. And after a Christian led me in the salvation prayer, I... I knew that God and Jesus were real, and I, and I never forgot it. For 30 years, though, I never really followed the Lord, and I, I was backsliding the whole time. But several years ago, I decided to rededicate my life to Jesus. I'm here to be baptized because of my faith in the Lord, and I want to share the gospel with people for God's glory and to help build his kingdom in his son Jesus' name. This is John. John, we believe that this step of faith that you've been kicking around for quite a while. Yeah. You're, you're like a cool-talking dude. He says, yeah. So you must be from the South, right? You're from Texas? I know that when, when we've been kicking around something and trying to decide if we should be obedient with it, um, the Lord just double honors when you finally obey. And I just believe that this public testimony of your faith, you're kind of a quieter guy. You're not going to be in the front of the crowd. You probably don't hold a microphone very often. Yeah. I, here's what I believe, though, for you, John. I just believe that in this next season, you're going to have more boldness, more audacity, more of an ability to declare your faith in the Lord. You're going to have rise up from within you this ability to, to share your faith in ways that you never thought possible. And that you're going to see a rich reward for your obedience today. And that this, this declaration, this authority that will rise up from within you, God is going to honor and bless and multiply in the name of Jesus. Friends and family that have never heard you talk of your faith are going to hear you talk of your faith now because of your obedience. You've got more in you than you're willing to share, my friend. People need what's in here. Okay? Bless the Lord. All right, buddy. Bless the Lord. John? your obedience to faith, your public declaration of this new life in Christ that's happened years ago, but God's going to take you to a whole another level. He's going to nitro you, buddy. He is. So upon confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! Bless the Lord. Congratulations, buddy. Give me a hug. Can I get a hug? It's okay. You're wet. It's all right. Congratulations. Awesome. Amen. 
blessing. All right, next and finally this morning, I say finally, but we've said that before, um, but uh, finally this morning we have Kimberly. Kimberly Williams is coming, and uh, this dear lady says, Joel, get up here, buddy. Precious testimony. She says, I grew up in the church, so I was always a church girl, and I knew of him. But in the past eight plus years, I began to have a personal relationship with him, and I made the decision to follow Jesus. As far as water baptism today, it's something I felt a strong urge to do for the past few years, and now the opportunity has presented itself. I believe it is an important step in confirming the decision that I made years ago. Now listen to this. She said, Bishop Thomas gave the comparison once to water baptism to a wedding ring. She said, I feel like I've been married for a while, but now today I'm choosing to wear and show off my ring. Oh, that is so good. This is Kimberly. Bless the Lord. This is Kimberly and, and Joel. How many years have you guys been a part of the church now? Not even a year. Really? I feel like I've known you guys for like, did we go to high school together? Nope. No, I feel, it feels like we do. I just feel like I've known you a long time. But you guys like, jumped in with both feet. Joel's up here all the time, uh, praise and worship team, and just always has a smile on his face. And same thing for you, Kimberly. We're just so proud of you today. And, and, and much like Bishop said about that ring, we just uh, would, would declare that this proclamation you're making today will be loud, it'll be bright, it'll be all over the place, and everyone will see a difference much like when you have a ring on your finger. So we're so proud of you. Hubby, will you help me? Yes, sir. Okay. So Kimberly, upon public confession of your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, we joyfully now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yay! Woo! Congratulations. You know, church, sometimes we open it up to those that may have a desire to be baptized and did not come planned. And I just feel like, without belaboring it, I just feel like if there's anybody in the house today that does want to make a public declaration of your faith by being water baptized, I want to open that up to you. We won't belabor it. If that's you, you need to stand up now and run to the front. If that's you, anybody's heart going pitter-patter like, man, I wish I would have done that, this is your opportunity. Anyone at all? Are we good? Okay. That's all right. We, we have these every few months, so we just wanted to throw that open to you. Sometimes it, it uh, is something that the Lord's leading, and sometimes uh, you're going to say, it'll happen next time. So, Pastor Ben, would you uh, have the folks stand and lead us in a, in a closing song, if you could? Everyone stand with us. Amen. I'm in, I'm alive, I'm alive, because he
I trust that you are embracing the fact that he lives in each of our hearts. Amen? Listen, as we close, I'm going to ask that our prayer team please come along the front. If you're here today and you need prayer for healing, you need to accept the Lord into your heart, you have any prayer need financially or anything at all, please come forward and some of these folks desperately want to minister to you and with you and pray for you, so that is going to be open to you today. Would you look me in the eye and extend your hand or put your hand on your heart? Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, we declare righteousness and purity and repentance to come through into this house. Father, we would ask that you would draw us all closer to you. Father, that you would help us to see you, that you would help us, Lord, to increase our faith, that you would help us, Lord, in this journey, that this week also would be a week of absolute impartation of your goodness, your grace, your empowerment, and of your love. In Jesus' name, and the entire church said, Amen and amen. Please come forward if you'd like to have prayer.